Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm trying very hard to not like fangirl talking to both of you. So I'm, I'm going to try and not like completely freak out about this. No, freak, freak <laughs> out, fangirl. Freak out. Did it, did it. and welcome to today's episode of the professional book nerds podcast presented by overdrive this is jill y'all i've been doing this podcast for like six years right interviewed a lot of people um and when i tell you i fangirled um i get into talk to today's particular authors i uh fangirled hard so today's interview is with Nigel Poor and Erlon Woods from the Ear Hustle podcast, and it's all about their new book, This is Ear Hustle, Unflinching Stories of Everyday Prison Life. If you are not familiar with the Ear Hustle podcast, um, I suggest you pause this, go listen to like all seven seasons, and then come back to this podcast. It'll still be here. It'll be waiting for you. It's fine. Um... I used to work in a prison, as many of our listeners know. Um, I've written my own book about it, Reading Behind Bars. I was the librarian at a minimum security prison. And Ear Hustle is a podcast out of San Quentin that was started several years ago. Um, Nigel Poor, she is a volunteer at the prison, and Erlon was sentenced there Um for I think like 30 years and they started this podcast and Quentin has a lot of really wonderful programming for um, the individuals who are incarcerated there including their media lab and um, this is where the Ear Hustle podcast came from. I, I love it. I've been listening I think almost since the beginning. A friend recommended it to me shortly after it started and the book is so good and I'm so glad that they are um, able to reach a wider audience with this book who maybe aren't into podcasts or don't know about podcasts. Um, And so, yeah, getting to fangirl while talking to them, 100%, 100%. So I'm really excited for y'all to listen to this episode. As always, you can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Big Library Read is still going on for another week. So you still have a week to check out um, without any wait list or holds the book Five Total Strangers by Natalie D. Richards. And um, even if you wait until the very end of the program, November 15th, to check out the book, you will still have the full length of your library's time to read it. So don't worry. But get the ebook or audiobook of that. Um, if you are listening to this on Monday, eight, Monday, November 8th to this afternoon, Natalie and I will be in conversation. 
um, at 2 p.m. Eastern time, about five total strangers. So depending on when you listen to this, you may still have time to go register. So you can, you can get um, that conversation and, and participate. And I think that's everything. I think that's all of the housekeeping I got for y'all. So I hope, I really, really hope that you enjoy this conversation I did with Nigel Poor and Erlon Woods on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Nigel and Erlon, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for inviting thank us. You. Definitely glad to be here. I'm I'm so excited for this. So I usually start my interviews by asking Uh-oh. guests to um, give a brief introduction to their book. But since the book, This Is Ear Hustle, is so closely tied to the podcast, I was wondering if you could maybe start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to just Ear Hustle in general, both the podcast and then how the book came to be. So I'll let either one of you start. Ear Hustle is a podcast about uh, everyday stories of life inside prison. And now it also includes life post-incarceration. Uh, at the time we began the, the ear, uh, at the time we began the podcast in 2015 is when we came up with the idea. Erlon was serving a how many year to life sentence at San Quentin? I always forget. 28. 31 years to life plus 28. 30 years to life plus 26 years to life. Yeah. So we had met in the media lab at San Quentin. I was a volunteer and Erlon was incarcerated there. And we were, we had worked on a radio program together for a few years and I was getting a little bit tired of doing that and wanted to try something new, a new challenge. So I proposed to Erlon that we try to make a podcast and he immediately said yes. And then his second question was, what's a podcast? (laughs) So (laughs) that says a lot about Erlon. He's always willing to say yes. Um, and so, uh, in 2016, we got permission to submit for a podcast contest through Radiotopia. We ended up winning and our podcast got picked up and distributed nationally. And it became humbly, I'm going to say it became successful quite quickly, which was a shock to everybody. Um, we're in our eighth season now. And we had for a while talked about doing a book, wanting to write a book, but the time wasn't right. And when Erlon got out of prison, it seemed like like a cool thing to do. And we wanted to tell kind of behind the scenes stories about how we created the podcast, how our, how we met each other, what our relationship is like, and dive deeper into some of the stories that we had told on the podcast and tell all new stories in our book, This Is Your Hustle. And it was a super fun writing process, I have to say. I, I bet the book is really fun to read, um, as well. It's, I think because, you know, part of it is presented like you're reading transcripts from, (laughs) from episodes and there's drawings in it. I mean, it's more than just like reading a book. It's, it's a very, um, personal interactive. You have so many different, um, voices and and individuals represented in the book it's just it it was fun to read and just give these everyday stories I love that thank you yeah, that's it's definitely good. good to know that it's fun to read that's <laughs> yeah Erlon pipe in people are gonna think I do all the talking no <laughs> no no no, 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 the last, no the last few interviews it was all me so I'm, I'm with it <laughs> no no well no I mean I think it was just a lot of um dedication from um miss nigel poor you know it's a lot <laughs> of dedication you know um the whole situation always 
you know, I'm thankful for a lot of things, but I'm definitely thankful um, that, of course, I met this woman and we was able to create a podcast that really resonates with a lot of people. Um, every episode is, is is always for some for some people, it's always their best episode. You know, <laughs> um, I'm, we definitely be trying our hardest to. Uh, can y'all hear me? Because everybody, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, we can hear you. <laughs> Okay, okay, because y'all, 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 y'all get stuck on my on my screen, but I'm trying not to pay attention to that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, um, with the, with the, with with ear hustle, I'm I'm really proud of a a, a lot of the I, I give I get my um, indication of where we at through the the, the results or the, the the what people say about our episodes. You know what I'm saying? So um, starting it and getting to where we at today, I'm hella proud. I'm hella proud of all of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's really phenomenal. And I, I sort of love that Nigel is like, was humbly successful. I mean, it's, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's just become this whole thing. Yeah, we, we did it. Honestly. I mean, maybe Erlon saw it coming. I, I didn't, I don't think we really did. Cause we didn't know what the possibility was. And I think what that speaks to is when you start a project that you really care about and you're doing it because you love it and because it's important to you and you're not focused on the end results, really great things can happen because you're in the present moment with it. And you, you, you just want to make it the best you can. I think if we had known what could happen, there might've been pressure or distraction, but both Erlon and I are just really hard workers. We put our heads down and just get things done. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of our personality ease, our personalities. Definitely. So I think that's actually interesting because I, I was thinking you, you talk about this in the book um, about how, you know, it, there were challenges because, you know, Erlon was in prison and you were on the outside. There were things you had to figure out because your communication was drastically limited, right? Like you couldn't yeah. just email to set up a time to record like I did with with no. your team like that wasn't a thing so can you talk a little bit more about just how that all worked yeah so I sometimes Erlon do you feel this way sometimes I forget about how hard it was because now we have the ability just to instant, yeah. instant contact text <laughs> Yeah. But but, like you adapt to your surroundings. And, and I spent a lot of time in the prison when Erlon was inside. I mean, I was probably there 40 hours a week. Erlon worked in the media lab 40 plus hours a week. And so we were just super organized. Like at the end of the day, we always made notes about what the person was going to, you know, what each of us were going to work on. um, And we trusted that the other would get things done. And, and, And it always did. I mean, I say this all the time, when, when you find like a person that you can work with, that's going to be a good colleague, it doesn't matter where they are. When you find that person, you stick with them and you make it work. And so we are fortunate enough to find each other and, and, and to trust each other. And without that trust, the project couldn't have happened. Because as you said, it's really, I mean, there's so much contact that's cut off when yeah. you're in prison. I mean, sometimes Erlang could call me on a state phone, but that was, you know, that wasn't something we could ever count on. So we were just super organized and we always did what we said we were going to do. Yeah. That's, that's really sort of amazing to think about just how much you would have both had to do individually. And like you said, that partnership, like you found each other and knew you could rely on each other to do what needed to be done. Um, that's, I think that speaks a lot. And I think you can hear it when you listen to episodes of the podcast, how well you two work together and get along. 
Yes. <laughs> Definitely. We get along really well because we understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and we don't really judge each other on those things. So um, between the two of us, Erlon is like the tech guru. If I can't figure something out, he knows I'm going to get really crabby. And so he's like, okay, Nigel's getting in one of her moods. And then he <laughs> figures it out. And Erlon isn't always great with scheduling. And so that's my, my area. Suck at scheduling. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, I, I think it's just, it, it gets over overwhelming sometimes, you know, to see sure. what the schedules look like and to keep up with them all, you know, it's, it's this here, this, this, that. And it may not even be just all for work stuff. It's, it's stuff in my personal life that, you know, get on that schedule and I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to sleep today. <laughs> 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 yeah, sometimes you just want to sleep. I that's totally fair. I understand that. <laughs> um, so in when you started your hustle, there was sort of this kind of preview episode before your first official episode where you have comments from some of the guys who were at San Quentin and talking about how um you know TV shows and movies and news programs that try to capture what it's like inside aren't really accurate because people producing them have never been incarcerated but the prevalence of these pop culture things sort of speak to this idea that people on the outside are fascinated by what happens inside a prison and I think that you know can explain a lot about why ear hustle is so popular um and I'm just curious if either of you have really had any thoughts about where you think that fascination comes from, from people who've never been inside, but really want to know what's inside. I I would think that, you know, it comes from individuals wanting, one, to fulfill their curiosity, or two, just to have some type of new information that they just don't get on the regular. Um, and like you say, being inside, you know, you're, you're dealing with it front hand. It's not just something that someone who's never dealt with doing time or being around people that do time um, uh, put out there. So I think that individuals just, you know, can can enjoy like a real frank, intimate conversation, you know what I'm saying? And, and one that's being had by someone that's probably up against it based on their freedom mm-hmm. is gone, everything is gone, they're limited to, to a lot of stuff, they marginalize. So I think people just really really uh, get into those type of narratives or those type of stories rather. And Erlon, I always remember you telling me that uh, you had no idea how little people knew about prison. Right. I didn't. I, 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 you know, you, you would think people know everything because you're in there living it. You think people see it, you know, but you don't pay attention that people, people don't know anything about what goes on behind those walls. You know, um, the wall is a hundred feet in that case, you know what I'm saying? Cause people can't see in, don't know what's going on. So it was a real, it was a real surprise to me that people didn't know anything, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm caught up in, Oh, people watch law and order. They think they know everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, a lot of that stuff is exaggerated. You know, a lot of stuff is exaggerated. So yeah. uh, when people, I guess, see the real deal and, and hear people like, man, dude sounded cool. Dude sounded like he was just, just there you know like he wasn't a threat he wasn't nothing he was just yeah this is the person 20 30 years later you know or whatever 
So I think uh, I think the misconception for some people is that people stay the same as they were from the time they mm. committed their crime to the time probably we interview them and that's not the truth. Yeah, and I think that you know bad TV and bad movies and and frankly bad journalism has made prison a curiosity because they always talk about the violent side, the forbidden side, and that piques people's curiosity. And um, there's also like a very kind of macho presentation of what it's like inside. And that unfortunately also makes people very curious. And so I do think ultimately people do want to have their understanding challenged. And so I, I think what Ear Hustle does is it confronts people with their misconceptions, not aggressively. Mm-hmm. We give, you know, we give people stories and the ingredients they need to make up their own mind. And, and I suspect that's why people are drawn to it because all of a sudden they, they, they think, oh my God, what I thought was the reality isn't the reality. And this is far more complex and far more interesting than I thought. And um, I think it also wakes people up or helps wake people up to the real problems and injustices inside prison that need to, that need to change again, without telling them what to think. Um, I, I, I don't like, I, I hate anything that tells me what to think. I want someone to just give me the information and let me decide. Um, and so that's right. how we always come at a story. You work towards sort of demystifying what happens inside. And I mm-hmm. think, especially at a prison like San Quentin, which has a very long and established history and has been the focal point of so many of these TV shows and movies. I mean, you know, like, Johnny Cash performed there like there's a very there like it it does have this kind of status and and you you break that down in each episode of being like this is just this is what it's like and it's not what you think which I I think is great and now we'll take a quick break for word from this week's sponsor do you get excited by a five-star driver rating Let's be honest, ratings matter a lot. And when it comes to finding healthcare, ratings matter even more. ZocDoc is an app where you compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients so you can find and book highly rated local doctors. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash ProBookNerds and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash ProBookNerds. So as many of our listeners know, and I, I mentioned this um, before we started recording, I um, I worked at a prison. It was it was minimum security, so um, a, a different level. But I was a librarian, and part of what I do now that I've left is speak about the importance of accessing books and information in prison, which can be very limited. Um, and Erlon, I'm wondering if you could maybe, you know talk a little bit about if you had any experience with the prison library at San Quentin, um, because that's personally something I would actually be interested in hearing about. 
Uh, yeah, so when I used to go to the uh, library in San Quentin, I was mainly only going for the legal aspect of, because you have the regular law library, then you, I mean, you have regular library, then you have the legal library. So when I'm in the library, it was usually dealing with legal issues, um, whether it was uh, trying to figure out some initiative stuff, trying to figure out what's the latest case that's dealing with the three strikes law, trying to figure out something in that in that category or try to look up who who's been commuted by the governor and, and what those applications looked like or you know it was it was stuff like that so um usually when i was in the library it wasn't just for a book it was more for a non-fiction law book yeah i see i mean i've never been incarcerated but i i i note how much people read in prison. I was always amazed by how much reading went on in prison and how hungry people were for books. Um, and I mean, we were talking to New York recently, our other co-host inside, and he was talking about how they don't get very many TV stations. He's like, and the TV's so boring, so I would just rather read. And I loved hearing that because that's not something that you hear that much outside anymore. I think mm-hmm. people don't read as much as they used to, unfortunately. Um, and I also loved in prison how books would get passed around like really, like, like really well-worn and really well-read. So seems to me books are super important inside. They, they are. Yes. I know um, where I worked, the library was super popular and yeah, they, the guys I worked with would just read, they would read like multiple books in a day if they had like, you know, the smaller paperbacks. It was, I was a little jealous. I mean, not jealous. That sounds yeah terrible but yeah it's just just getting to read and and I'm glad to hear that you know I think that happens at a lot of prisons where the library is popular and and reading is happening but I do like that you know Erlon you you discussed the the law section of it because that's also an equally important part of any prison library and I don't know how many people know that you know the guys inside have access to all of these legal books and do a lot of legal work while inside that's that's a big part of any sort of experience of a prison library yeah definitely I remember I remember um when I first went to prison I had a job and that job I had to go through Monday through Friday and I was I was the job was being a mechanic or something and going to the law library I can only be able to go one day a week and um, so what I did was I, I told them at the uh, committee, I was like, well, look, I don't want to work no more. I'm, t- I'm, I'm cool on working, um, take my job away and put me on the restricted C status. You know what I'm saying? Which means I can't go out normally. I got to stay in, can't, you know, all my, everything is suspended. And that was because I was able to go to the law library three or four times a week. Mm. instead of just that one day on the weekend to try to figure out how to appeal something where I need eight years of legal legal schooling, you know, to understand this stuff. So one day wasn't going to work for me. So I just gave up all my programs for about probably nine months and just focused on the law library and focused on trying to appeal my case. I can't even imagine reading those books. It must be so (laughs) law books. Oh my God. Oh, it's, 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 you know what, you know, I, some people get really into that. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. got really into law library stuff. These are producer, other, producers. Yeah. yeah. And for other people, it, 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 it drives you crazy because, you know, you sit there reading all these books and, 
and their situation seemed just like yours. But when you submit it, you know, you get denied, but they got they got granted and they stuff was worse than yours. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you just try to figure out your place and what this language actually means, because the legal language is a whole different language than the regular English language. I can say that. Yeah, it, it really is. And and trying to sort of navigate all that without having the legal background is, I imagine, very tricky. Yeah. No, definitely. And, and I would say that the, the library in prison is very important and it's mainly important for people that are in um, um, ad, administrative segregation or the shoot because, mm-hmm. you know, all you have is books. That's all, you know, you pass books around because you finish it too quick before they come around and give you other books. So, you know, you'll be sharing them with your partners on the tier, just trying to, you know, have something to do. Oh God, I remember a story a guy told us when during a lockdown and how important it was to have reading and um, I think it was Al Watson. Anyway, he had a he had a magazine and he would dole out how much he could read every day so it would last longer. And then he mm. finally got to the part where he was reading the ads and all the side effects for medication. Like anything he could read, he just wanted to read. Oh yeah, that was Michael Williams. Oh Michael Williams, yeah, Michael Williams. I mean, yeah, if you you don't have anything else and that's all you have is to read, I could see just turning into everything it's like when i you know i start reading the ingredients on a side of a cereal box and i'm eating breakfast because i'm like i need something to read (laughs) 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 um we should say because you've you've mentioned um a a few others who are involved in the podcast now because you know air alone is uh released and the podcast keeps going which is phenomenal and airline you know like you work for prx now and it's just, it keeps growing and you, you keep having these wonderful conversations with the guys inside. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, again, one of, one of the, the biggest lapses is we don't, we do talk to them, but we don't talk to as, as many women as we would like. So that's our, our definitely our new project or our ongoing project, should I yep. say, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, so the, the, the way that I guess you say keep it going is that, you know, as long as there are prisons, they're going to be stories. You know what I'm saying? And um, with me being released, it gave us an opportunity to, uh, you know, start dealing with stories in, of reentry and getting back out here, you know, in society and see how individuals get acclimated to, to everything that's going on. Um, so that, that opened us up to a different type of storytelling. Yeah. And since Erlon's gotten out, we've also been going into other prisons to tell stories because obviously it just we weren't going to do that when he was still inside. Um, so we're still anchored in San Quentin. We have we've mentioned New York a couple of times. He's our new co-host inside. Um, and we have Rashid Zinnemann and Tony Tafoya, who also work with us inside. Um, but Antoine Williams, who's a co-creator, is now also out and he's our sound designer and Yaya Johnson. Um, who we've mentioned a couple of times was also a producer inside and he's now out. So it's been wonderful that we've been able to hire everybody who worked on the project inside once they've been released. Yeah. Skill sets. Yeah, individuals learning these new skill sets in engineering and audio. And so it's just, you know, definitely put our lives in a in a totally different trajectory. You know, um, so it's 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 been fun, you know, it's been fun seeing the colleagues that was locked up with us all out here you know thriving and you know have cool jobs and 
you know, doing work in the community, you know, when they're not doing work here. So it's, it's, it's been beautiful. I, I like that you sort of tied it to, you know, learning these skills and the, and the re-entry element, because um, that's something that, you know, when you get out, especially if you had been in for so long, there are challenges to finding your footing. Um, but this, you know, Ear Hustle has given all of these, these guys, you know, a, a, a new skill set and, and opportunities outside which is great yeah, yeah definitely definitely endless you know um there's a lot of audio work to do out here you know whether it's on the mic or just going to go record individuals um for people so it's 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 a lot it, it's it's a it's a it's a nice market to to you know learn up on and to understand i'm wondering if you could maybe um take a few minutes to talk about how COVID-19 has affected San Quentin because, you know, this is very closed community and we're in this pandemic and I'm sure that's something that a lot of people are curious about. Well, if I was to say COVID-19 in, in, in New York, I would say he has a few splinters because he got put on the bench. You know, we always clown about him getting put on the bench because he wasn't able to continue to um, um, co-host, you know what I'm saying, based mm-hmm. on COVID. Not, it shut the prison down for like, how long? A year? Uh, it's 16 months. Wow. Yeah, it, it shut was... the prison down for a long, long yeah. time. You know, and, and, and No, it's still now. You know, every now and again, if you get a couple of cases or if some people feel sick, you know, the common cold is a thing of the past. I think if you feel sick, they look at that as COVID. They get to lock the institution down. And um, and that's what, 10, 10 to 14 days for they even figured out. So it's, it's I think through the age of COVID has been really hectic um, for individuals on the inside inside. Yeah. I mean, it's the longest since I've been going into prison that we went without communicating people, communicating with people inside. I mean, I I was before COVID, I was still going into prison a lot to go over a year without going inside was devastating. And occasionally we could talk to our colleagues inside, but that was even hard because they had such limited phone access. So it was painful. And I really worried about them. And I also worried that they thought we forgot about them because there's just no way to communicate. So we've been slowly going back in, but it's still not back to regular to what it was before COVID. And I'm not sure when it will be. Um, As Erlon said, if somebody gets sick, then they close the institution down again. And and so you just don't, you never know when that's going to happen. So there's a lot of anxiety, um, obviously much more anxiety for the guys inside, but as outside colleagues, we, you know, it's painful. It's really painful. Yeah, because you just don't know and you can't really find out. No, no. I always felt before COVID, there was a way to make the wall more transparent. We were always going to find a way to, to be in there, to work together. When COVID happened, it was, it, it just made clear to me how thick that wall is, how impenetrable mm. it can be and how helpless you feel when you're on the outside. Yeah. Mm. Well, I have had so much fun talking to both of you. Um, I just have one question left and this is something I'd love for you both to answer. But um, as I said, the book, this is ear hustle is wonderful. And I'm just wondering what you hope readers take away from reading. This is ear hustle. Mm. 
ladies first. Women okay. first. Okay. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things, but one of the, and this makes me very emotional. One of the things I really believe in and has been um, the basis for a lot of the work, for, for all the work I do in, with Ear Hustle is that prisons can change if we have more programs where inside and outside people work together as professional colleagues. And people are given the opportunity to know each other and to understand because having good work that challenges you keeps your spirit up. It shows you self-worth. It shows you that you are a creative thinking being. And it's not that hard to do. It's not that hard to create these relationships. And so I hope our book shows that that's possible. And the second thing I want people to take away from the book is that people inside are no different from people outside. They have all the same emotions. They have all the similar experiences. Not everyone inside is angry. There's humor, there's beauty, there's love, along with all the other things that are difficult. Ooh, can I say one more thing? Of course, then, take us, go ahead. <laughs> you have something you care about doing, just do it. You have more power as an individual than you realize. If you put your determination to something, you can make a difference. So don't ever feel that you're insignificant. Understand that you do have the power to go out and, and make a difference in the world. So I'll shut up now and Erlon, you take it. I would definitely say, you know, um, what I would definitely, what I would want people to take away from it is that life goes on no matter what the situation is, no matter um, where you at, as long as you uh, are above the ground, there's a possibility that you can do something that can change something or that you can do something that can inspire other people. You know, I think um, people will see that against all odds, Nigel and I and Antoine, we were all able to um, present just an idea, you know, and that idea just turned into something beautiful, you know? So I would, I would always, you know, love for people to just take a moment and learn something new. You know, take a moment and just realize that, you know, it didn't end with the, the, yes, the bad decision that someone made, but that they were able to, you know, I guess you could say against all odds, change that or with time, you know, heal from, you know, the ills that they were creating or, you know, putting into the world. And now most of the people that I know, whether their sentence was murder to robbery to whatever, they're out in the communities now trying to, you know, help out, assist, change, you know, because individuals realized that we were led astray growing up into delving into to other things. So I would hope that, you know, when people uh, read this book or listen to this book, that they're able to see that, they're able to see the growth, they're able to see that, you know, don't count people out, you know, things change, people change, you know, hopefully people can learn something from that. I love it. Nigel, Erlon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to chat with me today. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grunenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello. 
welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.